You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. order and then they'll pull it and you can go to the back and pick it up oh okay I didn't yeah know yeah that. you know that yeah you know like you you know if you, you go ahead and buy your stuff and they pick it up and of course they do the grocery thing where they'll bring it out oh oh when you say the back you don't mean literally the back like the in like the uh, storeroom well, you mean just the back yeah. of the store yeah wherever the pickup thing is. oh yeah yeah i got you i got you so the one in Nashville, like I said, I'm figuring if it's made it to Nashville, it's in other places. I just haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have something now called the Express Pickup. Okay. Where, it, you know, you get on the app or whatever. And you, so like today, I ordered FIFA 19, right? Mm-hmm. So I got off at 7 o'clock and I got on the app and it was like, hey, go ahead and let us know that you're on the way. And we'll have it ready for Express Pickup. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I click the button. I show up about 10 minutes later. Mm-hmm. And they point me to this um, tall orange machine that's like kind of up front in the store now that goes like all the way up to the ceiling, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay. So I go over there and there's a little computer down there. And it's got a thing. It says either scan the receipt on your phone or enter the order number. So I scan the receipt on my phone. um, And the next day I know you're... And you look inside and this like large tray has gone up and is now coming down and has my package sitting right there on it. Wow. Slides to the front, a door opens, I take my game out of there and I'm good to go. Damn. Which means, which is great because that means I no longer have to wait on the damn person at the back (laughs) for the Walmart thing. So, I mean, you know, I don't, I guess this would work well, you know, if you want to do your grocery shopping and just go in there and pick it up and go, you know, I didn't, but it was great. It was like, you know, I got it. It's paid for, it's secure in there. So I don't have to worry about somebody copping my shit. Hell yeah. I just go and come. So Walmart, thumbs up, you straggly underdogs, you. You know, I didn't think we would start this episode of the Foreign Affair podcast with, uh, with praise for Walmart and yet... This is this is the world we live in now, I guess. Well, don't worry, don't worry, Ed. Later I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my positive spin for Brett Kavanaugh. Oh god. Never mind, let's just talk about soccer. Oh man. I'm so glad one named one named technical producer Jackie is already heading to bed. This is great. <laughs> Welcome to the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode two thirty one. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCollin Crime. West Bradshaw, as we are here to break down another weekend in the Premier League as we get set for the second international break of the season, being Debbie Downers that they are. Uh, we will, of course, talk about the latest weekend in the league, as well as some news and notes that have come out, uh, as well as uh, the Watch 4. And uh, are we going to have So Raw this week, West Bradshaw? I have a mini one, and this week it's not because I just didn't watch. I literally... Literally, 
have not had time to watch Raw. That's but good. I do have a I do have some fun news that I'm I'm looking forward to. Oh well, excellent. So we will we will be dropping that here on the pod today. And as always, this pod is presented by NGSE Sports at NGSEsports.com. We never stop. So uh, and certainly we're not going to stop here on the podcast. Um, as we hit to this week of the Premier League, as I'm just trying to do something very quick on my phone because there's news I just found out about that we uh, will maybe talk about later. Uh, we'll, we'll see. It's not that important, but we'll see. All right, so for the matches from the last weekend that we are not going to talk about, uh, Brighton and Hove got a 25th-minute goal from Glenn Murray for a 1-0 win over West Ham. Uh, which I, I, I talked about it last week in our, in our mini pod, uh, cause we weren't together. Um, but West Ham got through the hardest part of their crucible at seven points out of nine and then goes on the road and loses to Brighton. I, I don't understand, but Hey, that's West Ham, everybody. The Premier League in a nutshell, I guess. Um, uh, Everton two, one winners over Leicester. Um, that was a, a big win for them. Got a little bit of help from Wes Morgan going off with a double yellow. Uh, so he, he had to be sent off. Uh, Richarlison with another goal after he was back from serving his own suspension for Everton. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, who is on a bit of a mini hot streak for the Toffees. He had the eventual winner in the 77th minute. Just a great goal from outside the box. Vintage Gilfie Sigurdsson there. Um, Wolves keep winning. Uh, this time they head to Selhurst Park and get a 1-0 victory over Eagles. Uh, Matt Doherty, uh, fresh off of not running Carolina basketball into the ground, he gets the 56th minute winner for Wolves uh, as they get... Yeah, they, get uh, they get... They continue their charge up the Premier League table. And uh, speaking of teams continuing their charge up the Premier League table... Uh, up the cherries, AFC Bournemouth pound Watford 4-0. Uh, goals from uh, Josh King with the penalty, but also uh, that was in between goals from David Brooks and Callum Wilson. Uh, three of those coming in the first half. Just a great job by Bournemouth. Uh, just really starting to put it together this season under Hedy Howe doing a real great job there. Um, Huddersfield goes on the road and gets a one, one much needed draw against Burnley. Uh, Christopher Schindler added another goal to his list as he canceled out Sam Vokes opening strike in the 20th minute uh, as, as the two split the points there. Uh, those are the Saturday matches on Sunday. Uh, We'll skip over Sunday for now, and uh, and that'll that'll do it for now. Then, so let's let's head back and talk about some of the other matches a little bit. And uh, I, I will also have some stats to drop in a few of these matches uh, as uh, we head to Wembley Stadium, uh, which hopefully not too much longer will be the home of Tottenham Hotspur. News coming out that new White Hart Lane looks like it's starting to finish up. Maybe. That December 15th match against Burnley might be in the cards for, for when they open that up. Uh, but looking looking good. Turf's laid down. Every Everything's starting to really come together there. Uh, but they get a 1-0 victory over Cardiff. Goal by Eric Dyer in the 80th minute after he pounced on a ball in the box. Uh, just a few yards out from goal. 
uh, Tottenham uh, just with a workmanlike effort to close out the match. Uh, really really dominated things uh cardiff had one maybe two chances to get back into the game but overall it was just all tottenham all the time and uh wes my stat for this is despite all the hand wringing despite the injuries despite the the failures so far in the champions league tottenham at 18 points so far this season have their best start through eight matches to a premier league season ever and so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they don't look that great still. The injuries need to sort of stop. Jan Vertonghen now looks like he might be out for about four to five weeks. But all in all, for all that to happen to Tottenham and to have their best start to a Premier League campaign ever and only be, as we'll find out later, two points out of first, that's not bad. I mean, seriously, you know, if... God, and the thing is, as we'll get into more and more, it's like this for so many teams in yeah. the Premier League, it yeah. seems like. You know, doom and gloom, oh my God, it's the end of the world, the sky is falling. Oh, well, eight matches in and we're two points out of first and have our best ever start. <laughs> Don't worry, Liverpool fans, it gets even better for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been great. And the thing is, I would almost be pleased if I'm a Tottenham fan because this is somewhat under the radar. Yeah. And right now you don't have these huge expectations because if you just ask a casual person, oh, Tottenham, yeah, they suck this year. Mm -hmm. And yes, you know, they're, you know, the Champions League has definitely not gone the way they hoped it would. And, uh, you know, we may, we may touch on a little more Champions League since we just had the mini pod last week. Mm -hmm. Um, But they they might be in some trouble in the Champions League, Mm -hmm. but you know, when you come out of the Premier League, I mean, they're right there. You're two points out. Um, now, of course, they still got some big teams left to play. But, I mean, being two points back from the unbeatable City, unbeatable Liverpool, unbeatable Chelsea, not not half bad at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're right now, they're two points back, and they're one of five teams currently sitting on six wins uh, at, at the very top of that table. And there's another few surprising names up there with them. But uh, this, uh, that's why I keep thinking. It's just like there, there's still reason to be cautious. You do, you do wonder, as you said, when they go into those other right. big matches. I mean, they did, and maybe they caught them at the right time, but they did beat Manchester United 3-0. They did lose to Liverpool 2-1. Um, and coming out of the break, they'll have a derby against West Ham. Uh, then they, they come home to play Manchester City. And then at the end of November, they'll have Chelsea. And oh, by the way, they'll also be playing Wolves. Uh, who look very good. So, yeah. I mean, the schedule doesn't get easy for Tottenham, but again, the fact that they have at least, you know, outside of that weird loss to Watford, you know, they've won all the matches you've kind of expect them to. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you'd expect them to at least get a draw against Liverpool at home. But other than that, it's like, there's not a whole lot more you can do here. Um, well, the thing is, you know, that that stretch of matches coming up, you know, now's the time for Spurs. I think now's time for Spurs to kind of, you know, we'll see. We'll see during that stretch. Are they legitimate threats here? Mm-hmm. You know, what what are they? Well, as Denny Green would say, you know, we are who we thought we were. <laughs> well, we'll find out who Spurs are coming mm-hmm. up in this stretch. Um, you know, they have had a couple of the tough matches, as you say. You know, uh, lost to Liverpool, beat Man United, um, but you know, with City, Chelsea. 
those groups coming up. Of course, there's going to be a North London Derby coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'll it'll be time for Spurs to, you know, kind of put up or shut up. Yeah, absolutely. But at this point, I mean, you you cannot, you know, with the injuries you've had, with the World Cup hangover that a lot of people are having, mm-hmm. <laughs> Spurs obviously included in that, you know, to be too off the top eight matches in, I mean, you, you can't ask for much better at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's uh, that's something for for Spurs fans to take in this international break, coming off a win. Um, United fans also uh, breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief uh, after going down two nil. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. Uh, after going two nil down to Newcastle United, uh, thanks to goals from Kennedy as well as Yoshinori Muto, just a few minutes apart, ten minutes in. Um, where just really shoddy defense from United. Uh, things looked like they were absolutely falling apart. Uh, reports coming out that no matter the result, uh, Josie Mourinho would be fired after the match. And then it was like, well, now it just looks like he deserves to be hire- fired anyway. Uh, but then Juan Mata bails him out with a free kick goal in the 70th minute. Anthony Martial gets a goal six minutes later off a wonderful give and go from Paul Pogba. Hey, look, he showed up. And then Alexis Sanchez with unarguably his biggest moment in a United jersey so far with the winner in the 90th minute for the uh, United to steal three points away from Newcastle and keeping them from getting their first victory of the season. And of course, Josie, I'm sure, taking no pleasure in beating Rafa Benitez, who he has sparred with in the past. Although, I did hear on the broadcast, apparently they have at least patched... They're, they're, they're a little bit at a, 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 a detente right now. So, not, not too much sniping going there. Um, but Wes, you know, as heartbreaking a loss is for Newcastle, and again, still winless on the season, this was as big of a must-win for United as they could have. And maybe... Maybe this is the kickstart they need for their season. I'm not convinced yet, but but maybe it is. Uh, the thing is, the way United are, and what we know about United, mm-hmm. it almost seems like every time they just get something right, mm-hmm. that people just, well, maybe this is the kickstart. Maybe this is the kickstart. But then it's usually not the kickstart. <laughs> um I mean, this is Newcastle. Newcastle are very poor. Yeah. Mike Ashley has taken, like, the best manager they've had in decades. Um, The fact that they were able to stay up last year. And and we're pretty good last year. Yeah, we're pretty good. And has, of course, turned it into shit by giving Rafa no one. Yeah. Actually, somehow making his team worse. Um (laughs) Newcastle right now are staring in the face of the drop. I don't think they're quite in the class of um, of Huddersfield, Cardiff. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's quite in that class. <laughs> um, but they are definitely a candidate for 18. And for United to go down 2-0 inside 10 minutes was just bizarre. There are so many subplots around everything going on at United right now. Mm-hmm. Mourinho is almost, it almost seems like Mourinho is doing things out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he keeps playing Scott McTominay as a center defense, as a central defensive player. 
The kid's a midfielder. Yeah. You know, he pulls Eric Bailly and puts in Juan Mata. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the single most intelligent thing that Jose Mourinho did in this match, and technically this was smart. So, you know, this was, this was a masterclass. This is kind of what everyone's been waiting for technically. So I'm sure it won't happen again. He basically looked at Pogba and said, look, just go win us the game. Mm-hmm. And what you notice about Paul Pogba is Pogba – was pretty much everywhere between the center of defense all the way into the front of midfield. Yeah. I mean, he was everywhere. He was taking the ball from the keeper. He was making those gorgeous passes that everyone knows Pogba can make. Pogba was given the freedom to be Paul Pogba. And man, look what happened, right? (laughs) So of course I'm not expecting this to last past this international break by any means. Um, but, you know, we did finally get a look at what can happen when Pogba's kind of unleashed. Mm-hmm. That said, this was Newcastle. Yes, <laughs> so you do have to take it with a grain of salt right now. You know, let's see what he can do, you know, when given that opportunity against, you know, uh, City or Tottenham or Liverpool or Chelsea, something along those lines. Uh, but, I mean, it was a positive outcome for United obviously to come back and get the win late you know that that's a good feeling to be able to snatch a win from the jaws of what looked like an early defeat mm-hmm. um, give it to United you know down two nil the way things have been going the way everything's swirling around Mourinho I mean how easily could this team have just folded up and said fuck it don't oh, care. Oh, I mean, we heard reports of, of Alex Sanchez being incredibly unhappy. We know Pogba's been unhappy mm-hmm. for much of this season. You know, Mar- Martial, Rashford. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there's there just seemed to be so much discontent to to come back and get a win like that. I think means so much for them. And give it to those guys. I mean, if reports were be to be to be believed, I mean, for eighty minutes they basically held Mourinho's job in their hands. Yeah. And if they really, you know, decided or if it thought to them, hey, you know, we could finish it now. Shit, who cares about losing to Newcastle in the long run? You know, but giving credit to that team, I mean, they fought back. And of all people, Alexis Sanchez gets the late winner. Um, So, you know, give give United credit on the day. Uh, The thing is with United, it's just. Yeah, we, we've seen them go on these little mini runs already this year where, oh, it looks like they're turning around, and they don't. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. things just go back to shit. So, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not prepared to uh, give United the comeback story here that this has turned everything around. But it was a nice win and a good way for them to go into the international break, at least on a high note. Yeah, absolutely. So we will see, as you say, they continue, uh, as we'll get into when we – when I do a mini preview of the week after international break, uh, it doesn't get easier from here. Oh, Grant. no, no, no. You know, we talked about Liverpool going through their crucible. Yeah. Get ready, United. It's your turn. <laughs> yeah. Um, a team that did not have to play a part in their crucible uh, was Arsenal uh, as they went to Fulham and destroyed them at Craven Cottage 5-1. Uh, a brace each from Alexander Lacazette as well as Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, with a goal from Aaron Ramsey. How many more times will we say that? How many more celebrities will he kill at Arsenal? Nobody knows yet. Um, I'll tell you, Ed, you know the finger air is over because now suddenly Ramsey's scoring and celebrities aren't dying. That's true. That's a good point. 
It's a new era. <laughs> it truly is. Um, just an absolute masterclass from Arsenal. Uh, an Andre Sherrill goal just before halftime was all Fulham could muster in this game. Um, but just, you know, Fulham was able to kind of keep up with Arsenal in possession. But again, Fulham just so poor defensively that whenever Arsenal did have the ball, uh, they could score with abandon. And I, I guess the biggest question is, you know, for this, Wes, I mean, you know, they're playing uh, Lacazette and Welbeck up top. The Aubameyang comes off the bench to score his brace. You know, is it is it finally time to start taking Arsenal seriously? Or do we have to look more at the results against teams where they play in the top half of the table, i.e. Man City and Chelsea, and say, maybe we, maybe we still need to see them play another big club before we, before we say they're, they're, they're back. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not ready to say that Arsenal's back. Arsenal have found a really nice run of form. Um, they found a system that works basically playing two strikers up top, mm-hmm. um, which isn't really chic or vogue anymore, but they're, they're doing it. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's kind of a hit and miss with, with what we're looking at. Um, yes, you know, they, I mean, they've won nine straight in all competitions and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's all Unai Emery can ask those guys to do. Uh, I mean, Hey, you've gone out, you've taken maximum points, nine straight matches. That's, that's fantastic. Um, with Arsenal though, I think a lot of it has had to do with the fact that they have had a downgrade in competition in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found this nice run of form. It's going to – almost like we said about Tottenham, we said about United, all right, well, put up or shut up time is coming. You, you know, has it been a nice run or, you know, are you, you know, are, are you really a team that is turning the corner and ready to do something? I don't, I don't think anyone outside of maybe the most diehard Arsenal fans are thinking that, oh, we're title contenders. We're title contenders. Look what we do. We're title contenders. Um, if you look at what Arsenal have done in the past, they've run off runs like this. This isn't something new for Arsenal. They've had the runs where they look fantastic. They look world beaters. And then usually December comes. (laughs) And, you know, December, January completely destroy everything for Arsenal. Um, And coming up, you know, they've still got, you know, yeah, they have City uh, City and Chelsea out of the way. They have a big match coming up with Liverpool. Uh, they still have a North London derby. They're going to have to play United. I'll tell you their schedule right now. After after this international break, they uh, they get Leicester at home, go uh-huh. to Palace. Then they have Liverpool at home, Wolves at home, go to Bournemouth, which is now looking a little dicey. Then right. come home for Tottenham, and then go to United. There you go. And that's, and, and I mean, that's a we'll, tough stretch. Yeah, and, and you know, eight matches in, it's hard – we have ideas with a lot of these teams. You know, City and Liverpool are doing what we thought they would do. They're right there at the top. Chelsea, Chelsea are surprising us. Can they keep it up? Um, you know, uh, Huddersfield and Cardiff suck. We knew that was going to happen. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's there's still some teams out there, and eight matches just isn't enough of a barometer to be able to read the forecast of the coming season for some of these teams. Um, some have hit nice stretches of form. Some, like United, have been – very up and very down. 
um, I, you know, you, you get somebody like West Ham who, you know, three weeks ago, oh, my God, they're horrible. They're done. There's no chance. And now suddenly, you know, they've gotten out of that relegation picture. And now it's just, well, what are they going to do? So I think for Arsenal, there are still huge question marks. That said, this has been a really big moment for them to bank some points. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, get, and keep themselves in that race. Because ultimately this year, and yes, you know, it was the running joke for Wenger was finishing the top four. Finishing the top four would be a massive finish for Arsenal this year. Agreed. Um, I, I, I don't trust anything beyond their t- first four. Like, like, especially the back four, I don't like, and and I really don't like the the defensive mids of Torreira and Shaka. I just it 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 really would scare me. And having Holding and Mustafi being my my defensive oh, my so my center backs, it, yeah, it, it just sounds really bad. So I I'm very worried that that when they play a team like a Liverpool again or or like a City again or even even a Tottenham potentially if if Ericsson and Delhi come back I I just don't know how they're going to deal with that even someone like a team like Bournemouth who just threw up five of their own like or four of their own I should say right. it, it's going to be tough so but as you said literally after those first two matches there's nothing more Arsenal could have done than win the games in front of them and that's what they've done absolutely uh, um so we mentioned them a little bit. Uh, Chelsea in our next to last match, uh, they get a nice tidy three 0 win uh, at Southampton. Goals from Azard Ross Barkley. Hey, he's alive. And Alvaro Morata, um, who of course then would go on to score his biggest goal as, as a man at Chelsea by by winning their midweek Europa League match late on against a team whose name escapes me because it's the Europa League. Um, yeah. but Chelsea, again, you know, we, we have had some questions from them. Ed Nazard has raised his own questions apparently this week, which we might touch on in news and notes. Um, but I mean, the, there is a, again, kind of like Arsenal. I feel the same way for Chelsea. I don't know how much I trust their defense either. Either I don't all of a sudden believe David Luiz is great again, or, or that Antonio Rudiger is really good. I, but that that Ed Nazard, right now yeah. he's playing like he's trying to be the best player in the Premier League, and and he's succeeding at it. And it seems like that's that's enough to keep the Chelsea spark alive. Because outside of that, I don't know how many great individual performances there would be if if he was not having this phenomenal start to the season. And really, that's that's the difference right now for Chelsea. Um, I, now, that said, Chelsea have taken really well to sorry ball. Um, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they've taken really well to the system. A lot better, I think, than a lot of us thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and give them credit for that. You know, they've shown some fluidity in midfield. Um, the defense... You know, their defense is playing well enough. You know, those um, wings are, those fullbacks are bombing forward. Um, somehow, Rudiger and Louise has turned into a pretty good duo. Yeah, I just, sure. I, yeah. I don't know how long that's going to last. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but right now, I mean, they're playing really well. But the the great equalizer to it all is right now, without a doubt, in has the best player in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, this is a guy who I don't think he's ever scored 20 goals in a season. But he's just – he's off to a great start. And I just believe it's one of those, as as Eden goes, Chelsea will go. Mm-hmm. Because if he if he's not knocking them in or involved in getting them knocked in, I just don't see where their goals are going to come from. I mean, their center forwards are like laughingly or like laughably inept in front of goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, Giroud and Morata. I mean, that's kind of like a running joke. Um, Willian isn't exactly tearing the house down this season, um, you know. But they're getting good play from midfield. Um, and, and they're getting Eden Hazard is is being magic right now, and I think that's the biggest thing that's got them tied at the top of the table. But if Eden Hazard kind of goes off the goes off the grid for a month or two, which obviously Eden Hazard can do that, yeah. <laughs> um, I just I don't know if Chelsea's going to have enough punch to stay in the title race. Because I do believe if you don't have Hazard up there terrorizing people, I think that's going to open your back line up a little more as well. Yeah, I agree. And, and just like, again, with, with, as we said with Arsenal, don't know how much we want to expose that back line at the moment for Chelsea. But again, a, a good start for them as well. And then finally, on the docket for the Premier League this past weekend, uh, it was the match of the week. And, and as so often as it seems like it is in the Premier League, when it is, we get a nil-nil draw. Um, the, biggest, the biggest, greatest match of all time! <laughs> um, it, di- it did not come without its chances. Uh, none bigger, of course, than the penalty late on that Manchester City earned, uh, which I believe is still rising, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. uh, after Riyad Mahrez unconvincingly took it. Uh, in the 89th minute, just a shocking penalty from him. Uh, I believe the only thing more shocking than his shot was his look of, of surprise when he was told to go take it. Um, this was, it was very weird. Uh, Gabriel Jesus went up to take it and then was kind of taken back uh, by a couple city players. I guess the directive was to have Mares, who is notably not a great penalty taker, actually take this one. So, so Liverpool uh, pull off a little bit of an escape at home against City. Not maybe the kind of uh, game some Liverpool fans were envisioning after their, their dominance of City last season in both the Champions League and the league. Um, but also, another way to look at it, West is two teams that are obviously going to be fighting, it looks like, through the entire Premier League for the title at the end. And maybe just wanted to be a little cagey and not give up too much. Although I would also say, maybe with the way things have been going for Liverpool, never thought I would say this the last couple of years at least, offense is leaving a little bit to be desired right now. So many wheels within wheels inside this game. A lot of wheels. It's like an 18-wheeler. Uh-huh. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something a little surprising right now. Go ahead. When, of course, you know, last year Liverpool were tearing up the league, setting records, dominating everybody, you know, scoring-wise at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, through eight games, they've scored more goals this season than last season. There, there's your others. I didn't I didn't do my Manchester United stat. I'll do it later, but that's another surprising <laughs> stat for the night. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there are crazy stats everywhere, you know. Um 
people, everybody's freaking out. I'm, I'm not freaking out, mainly because we're not losing. Yeah. Um, I'm not freaking out at this point because also looking back at a year ago, you remember the front three didn't really click until it was around October. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, before that, we had that horror show at City where, you know, everyone was ready to just kill Mane. <laughs> You know, um, you remember me last year talking about, man, Mo Salah sure does get a lot of really good shots that he misses, doesn't he? Yeah. And, and man, Firmino just doesn't give you enough goals up front. Well, the narrative certainly changed as soon as everything seemed to click. That's why I'm not worried about Liverpool at this time. Um, I'm, I'm still letting it stew, letting it marinate, um, that things can and I believe will come around. Um, and... Also, when you look at this crucible they just went through, who was expecting them to score a shit ton of goals in these matches anyway? True. Now, talk to me in about a month, and if we're not scoring more, I might have something else to say, especially with who we're about to play for the next month. So. Uh, but this match, for what it lacked in goals and what it lacked in the, I guess, casual excitement of a match, mm-hmm was tactically thrilling. And I say that because, and hey, we've we've been guilty of this. Pep only knows one way to play. Mm-hmm. Klopp only knows one way to play. Well, by God, Pep pulled plan B out of his pocket. Because this was not, if, here's the deal. If City had played how Pep always plays City, they probably would have gotten beaten. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happened three straight times in, in this calendar year was they played like City and Liverpool absolutely tore them to shreds. This was the most defensive – this is the most defensive I've ever seen a Pep Guardiola team play a match. Um, that said, they weren't – they didn't go part in the bus Josie Mourinho. So. Oh, no, no. But they kept guys home. They played a little more physical a contest than what you'll normally see. You know, they gave Salah a few good kicks. They would not let Liverpool get out. They didn't play everything out from the back like they have in the past. Um, you know, which has got them in trouble from the press. They they kind of neutralized the press by passing more into midfield and passing more up front. And for that, I give City every congratulations and every kudos in the book on the other side Liverpool we've seen Liverpool in matches like this before where they're not getting the space to operate Mm -hmm. we've seen Liverpool panic and try to just make something happen and to their detriment get caught on a counter and I almost think that's what City was banking on was you know Liverpool's going to do something rash and we're going to catch them on a counter and we're going to beat them 1-0 Liverpool didn't do that to me, this match showed, from a Liverpool perspective, this match showed to me Liverpool trying to win the Premier League this season. Mm-hmm. From a City perspective, this match showed me that Pep finally understands that you can't just keep banging your head against the wall over and over and just expect somebody to let you in, mm-hmm. especially a team like Liverpool. Um, I thought this was a fantastic coaching job from both managers. I think in the past and and really even in the last year when those three matches at Liverpool were able just to take it to City, 
Liverpool were out of the title race at all those times. And Europe is a different animal for mm. Liverpool. It just is. They were out of the race against City in January. So why the hell not go all out? Okay, if we lose, yeah, all right, we lose. We should have probably lost anyway. Not putting themselves in that danger in this match. Now, yes, that penalty very fortunate for Liverpool that he missed the penalty. And it all could have come undone. <laughs> but I think you saw from this match that both of these managers realize what the other can do and that both of these managers are in it to win it in the Premier League this year. Which I think they both have to be considering how tight this Premier Absolutely. League race is going to be. And, you know, we, we have talked sometimes uh, this season about how the Premier League isn't maybe City's main focus this year and how, yeah. how it might be a little more towards their their eyes towards the Champions League title. But, I mean, if it gets right down to it and we're in late April and they're within one point of yeah. Liverpool and or Chelsea and or someone else, you know they're going to be going for it. Exactly. So just to try and defend their title, which is something I don't believe we've seen since United did it. Right. It's so, been a while. It's been a good while. Yeah. So, it's been back in the double aughts. Yeah. So this is yeah. Alex Ferguson. Yeah. So this would be a big thing for, for City to do if they could repeat as title holders. So as you said, the, the growth that both two, uh, these teams showed uh, um, through this match and through their uh, alignments and attitudes going forward and going back. Um, re- really showed something special. And again, it's it's hard when you have a nil-nil match to go up to, as you said, the casual fan and go, look, look at this amazing match. It was great. Yeah. And they'll go, oh. Zero, zero. That's soccer for you. Tying and not scoring. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, this was, this was a great game. And, and I think if anybody thinks that these aren't the two best teams in the Premier League, at this point, I know I know Chelsea is level with them on points. I know Tottenham and Arsenal are, are just two points back. Yep. These are the two best teams in the Premier League. Period. That's that's it. Doesn't and, mean and, doesn't mean they'll win, but they are the best. And from a Liverpool perspective, from the Liverpool fan perspective, I'll give you. Um, I think this was a much more crucial draw for Liverpool because there right now there is an air of invincibility around Anfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, oh, my goodness. I want to say it's like 25 straight Premier League matches now without a loss at home. They, they do have the longest um, non-losing streak at home in the Premier League. Um, and for Liverpool, also, here, here's another stat. I keep meaning to bring this up every week that Liverpool have a home match, and I always forget, so I'm finally remembering now. Liverpool have not given up a home goal at Anfield. They have not given up a goal at Anfield in the league since February. Was that the Tottenham match? Yes. Tottenham was the last team to score at Anfield in the Premier League. Oh, my God. Now, of course, um, Roma Roma in the Champions League. Yes. But the defense would be criminal at this point. Yeah. Uh, and now you add Allison Gomez and Andy Robertson with what he's done. Uh, but if Liverpool had come into this match with hype, all the expectation from the fans, and we had gone this long, had not given up a goal, had not lost at home, and had lost in the last few minutes to a penalty, 
had the potential to be devastating. Mm-hmm. And now that's out of the way. And, I mean, it was a big point. It keeps us level. You know, it also would have hurt to go into the second international break with your best start in Premier League history, and you're not in first. Yeah. It would have just been like, damn it, what else do we have to do? <laughs> yeah. so, well, and also, it would have been, because it, it, it kind of had been a bit of a rough stretch for Liverpool. I, I mean, by by these standards they had set at the, to this point in the season, I mean, it took... It took a, a, a late, 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 late equalizer from Daniel Sturridge to get a point against Chelsea, lose to Napoli in the Champions League, and then you're a penalty miss away from losing to City at home. I mean, that would have been... that. There's a potential there where if one goal, if the Mahrez goal goes in and the Sturridge goal doesn't happen, that this could have been a disastrous stretch for uh, for Liverpool. And, and they lost to Chelsea... In the League Cup, not that that was super important, <laughs> but it, but it, but that would have been a really brutal four games. That would have been yeah. four losses in four matches. Yeah, and, and I mean, it obviously would have affected your spot on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, would have affected the confidence. The fan base would trust me be having a meltdown. I'm right sure now. <laughs> they're melting. They're melting down enough, and we still haven't lost. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about the Crucible, and it could have been what killed Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And instead, you know, yes, they do have two losses out of it, but luckily one of them is in the fourth competition, <laughs> and the other one's in the Champions League, and yet we're still in a good spot in the Champions League. Sure. You know, based on just beating PSG in that first match. So even that was not a killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sucked and it hurt. Yeah, you hated to do it. Well, you always hate to lose a match anyway. But, you know, to come out of this run – still sitting atop the Premier League, and now the fact that you've gone to Chelsea, you've gone to Tottenham, and you've gotten positive results from both of them, and you've gone up against the big dog in City, and you've gotten what, at the end of the day, is a positive result. Man, what more can you ask for? Not much. <laughs> well, oh, well, trust me, there are yeah. <laughs> plenty asking for more, yeah. but Jesus God, get over yourselves. Why hasn't Salah scored 40 goals yet? We don't got no creativity in midfield. Oh, bring back Hendo. Where's how he at? Dare you, how dare you put Lovren in? We got to sell up Bertel Moreno to Barcelona. What are you smoking there? Oh, Why do we still have Moreno on the books? I did, I did see like Bar- that Barcelona is interested in Moreno, and I'm like, why? Oh, yeah. Why? This is not the first time. Well, for them, and I, and I will give you just the quickest of rundowns. Sure, please, because I was uh, very confused. A, it's obviously a backup. Okay. Uh, B, they can probably get him on the cheap because I believe his contract's getting low. Okay. And C, it would be a, I guess, quote, homegrown player because he is Spanish. Ah, okay. Which, you know, of course, they've got to have a certain, they can only have a certain number of money. And it's an easy one to fill, you know. And and I will give them... um, you know, Moreno is one of those guys we kind of laugh about reading. Magnificent locker room guy. Hmm. Okay. Everybody loves Moreno. I mean, he was, I mean, him and Coutinho are like BFS. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could do worse than the, and also, you know, you bring in a guy, you know, Moreno's not going to bitch about not playing much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing. You know, sometimes you just need to have those locker room guys who, when called on, can do a job. Mm hmm. You know, I mean, Liverpool fans, once again, they'll argue that point. But, I mean, Moreno's not hopeless. 
it's just I just think Moreno has gotten so much so much negative at Liverpool that it's just not going to work at Liverpool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I mean, hell, Moreno could go to Barcelona, play in the cup, you know, give Jordi Alba a break. And, and the thing is, you know, is left back really going to be the uh, Barcelona Probably in not. half of their league matches? Probably not. No. So, you know, I mean, hey, you're not playing them against Real Madrid or Atletico, okay? Right. So, I mean, I could I could see where he would be – I could see where he would work at Barcelona because Barcelona fans ain't expecting to bring in Messi. So. Makes sense. All right. Well, as we look into the next, uh, the next uh, international break and through it into the next week of Premier League matches, uh, it will get started off early at the Saturday, October 20th, 7.30 a.m., uh, Chelsea versus United at Stamford Bridge. That will be a big one. Uh, other big matches that day uh, are Man City versus Burnley, uh, West Ham versus Tottenham, and a London Derby. Uh, Liverpool gets the premier 12:30 slot as they travel to Huddersfield. Whereas you said, West, that is going to be one of them where Liverpool should look to start scoring a ton of goals. Uh, okay. And on Sunday, Everton and Crystal Palace get the day all to themselves. So. Oh. Good for them. I guess there's Monday night football. Is there a Monday night football that week? It has to be. Yeah, Arsenal versus Leicester. So there you go. An actual uh, that should be a pretty good Monday night football match. But again, that's after this weekend for the international break. And truth now- be told, that's that's one for Arsenal. Where hey, let's see what you can do. You know, Leicester's Leicester's kind of. I think everybody sees Leicester as that mid-table team. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Okay, you know they're not one of the bottom teams. They're not one of the teams. But that's a match that they need to go win. Quintessential top 10 team uh, is Leicester City right now as we take a look at the table. Uh, and I believe for the first time since the start of the season, Liverpool, by virtue of goal differential, is not in the top two. Uh, Manchester City is number one. Chelsea is second. Liverpool third. All sit on 20 points. Um, but that is how it falls through goal, di- goal differential. Arsenal, due to their 5-1 shellacking this weekend, do take fourth over Tottenham via goal differential. Both are on 18 points. And then Bournemouth right behind them with 16 and Wolves at 15. Uh, At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, 17th place uh, is Fulham with five points. At 18th in the zone is uh, Huddersfield, which is three points. And then Newcastle and Cardiff. Both have just two points on the season. Huddersfield, Newcastle, and Cardiff, again, still all looking for their first victories of the season. Um, All right, so as we hit the news and notes now, um, quick story. Um, Didn't realize this was actually a thing until the (laughs) alert came on, and then I was like, oh, I guess guess that hasn't happened yet. Uh, John Terry retired this week. Um, he was offered, uh, a, a position with Spartak Moscow. Didn't take it. Um, not shocking, I guess, that John Terry didn't want to go to Russia. Um, but, uh... All, all his pickup lines would not work. It's, it's true. This beautiful women that I'm sure he would have loved to have had his way with. Um, but it just, it just... It's a little tough. Yes. Um... Obviously, a big player during during the Chelsea Renaissance uh, of the mid aughts into the into the most recent decade here. Won a couple Premier League titles. Uh, has, has a very nice trophy case. One of the better defenders in Premier League history. Wes, um, a very 
polarizing personality to some extent, especially when he joined those World Cup teams for England. Um, but his career does come to an end after a fairly ignominious end. I believe he was at Aston Villa last season. Um, just not a, he just kind of petered out a little bit instead of maybe just leaving when he was no longer uh, required to be at Chelsea. Um, but his, uh, his career is over. Um, so Wes, any, any thoughts on John Terry leaving us from this, uh, the playing realm of soccer? Um, you know, John Terry, I mean, a guy we, God, we love joking on John Terry. We do. It's fun. <clears throat> that said on the field during his prime, mm-hmm. man, hardly a better central defender in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a quintessential, you know, captain on the field. Um, you know, was amazing at organizing his line, was a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, a hell of a player. You go back to the 2000s, um, up until he started to maybe lose his legs some, John Terry was fantastic. I mean, anyone in England would have put their team around John Terry. Uh, Terry and Ferdinand, uh, one of the better England center back duos. You know, the thing was, it was never the defense that led England down during the goal. Mm-hmm. It was always the fact that they couldn't score when they needed to. Uh, they had no creativity, and they would lose in penalty shootouts. But <laughs> and, and the goalkeeping was horrendous. Don't, don't forget that it wasn't the center. It wasn't the center backs. It was really the goalkeeping was just terrible. <laughs> but I mean, John Terry was you know one of those leader legend type players. Um, was a Chelsea man up until his whole career, up until going to Aston Villa. Almost helped bring Aston Villa back into the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the end of the day, you know, Father Time has a way of catching everybody. Eventually, everybody goes. So yeah. it was time for John Terry. But um, all jokes aside, one of the top England players of his generation easily and probably one of the best English defenders ever. And one of, one of the best uh, Premier League defenders of all, you know, if you do an all-time Premier League team, mm-hmm. it would be an all-time Premier League eleven. It would be very hard to keep John Terry out of that eleven. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a very nice summation of it. And um, again, as much as we do like to joke on him, just just a a massive force in the Premier League during and in the time. and in the uh, and in the bedroom. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, from a, a former great Chelsea player to a current one for now. Um, I, I, I mentioned this somewhat in passing, um, and, and I don't, I'm usually loathe to, uh, to talk about rumors and, and people going this or there. Um, but we have a report coming out this week from the Telegraph, uh, Matt Law writing this article up, um, that uh, Chelsea star Ed Nazar has claimed over the weekend that he is torn over whether to sign a new Stanford Bridge contract or push for a move to Real. Uh, saying that he is wanting to see if uh, Rail can make him an offer that they will sign him in the summer um, before he does any contract talks with Chelsea. Um, We we talk so much, Wes, in our our match report on Chelsea about how great Ed Nazar has been this season so far. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, as, as we've said in a couple podcasts this season, it's contract year. It actually is a contract year for Ed Nazard. Um, Don't get him, Jeff Blauser. <laughs> but this is a guy who I, I've i mentioned this in the past. He, it, he's 
he he's constantly talked about where he's going to be next. You know, the the entire story over the summer while he was at the World Cup playing for Belgium was, oh, he's he's leaving. He he's gonna leave. He's gonna make an announcement at some point. He he's gone, and then then he ended up staying. Um, a couple of years ago, when they were playing PSG in the Champions League, the day before in his press conference, he said he would love to play for PSG. Like like this is a guy who I feel like constantly has his eye on the next big club. And and I just have to wonder, and, and I'm sure, you know, it probably doesn't bother the Chelsea locker room that much, but I have to imagine there's something out there where it's like, you know, this is our best player by far this season. And he's talking about, well, you know, if, if Real wants me, I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm just ready. You guys just say the word. And I'm I'm there. Bags are packed, ready to go. So I I I just wonder what sense that makes to talk about something like that when when you're in the middle of having such a great start at Chelsea, not just individually, but as a team as well. Um as far as the locker room thing, I think that we I think we as fans and mm-hmm. media personalities um, you can call us whatever sure. you want there. Um, I think we vastly overrate probably yeah. what goes on locker because, and I say that for the simple fact, and I hate that I think this way, but it's just where I've gotten mm-hmm. in life and watching sports in general. These guys all realize that they're professionals mm-hmm. and Every one of them, I think as long as you, as long as your teammates know that you're giving them a percent at the moment, mm-hmm. they're not worried that you're thinking about going somewhere else. Well, and so I guess I would follow up with that. There have been times when we've seen Azard being distracted, disinterested, notably exactly. when, when Josie was imploding in his third year yes. at Chelsea. It, you know, and, and he, Azard's not doing that. He's not doing that at all. He's having, right. as we said, a great start to the season. But if if he was having a season like that and he made yeah. these comments, it, it, it might be, it oh, might yeah. come off a little worse. Well, that would be, and that would be a completely different season. Right. Like I said, as long as your team, as long as your teammates see that you are A, and B, you're not, you know, you're not shortening skills or, Mm-hmm. You're not tr- you're not being a malcontent. I mean, we haven't heard anything that he's been anything other than a model teammate in the locker room. Um, you know, your teammates aren't going to have an issue with that. Look back at look back at the whole Coutinho saga from really about a year ago now. Mm-hmm. Once Coutinho shaped up and you know realized, well, I'm not going to Barcelona in August. They say Coutinho was a model teammate. He was mm-hmm. great in the locker room. There were no problems. The only time anything started to rear its head is when it came back in January. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he seemed to be disinterested in trying to force a move. Then you started to have an issue with the locker room. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe Klopp very quickly moved and was like, you know what? Pay us. You can have it. Yeah. And that's what happened there. Hazard has given zero sign that he's shortening skills. If anything, he's having maybe his best season yet. Mm-hmm. And also, there's nothing coming from the locker room, no rumors, nothing that he's been anything but a fantastic teammate. So, 
for the players, I don't think that's an issue. As long as you're giving 100% to the cause at the moment, mm-hmm. they're not worried about what you're going to do in the summer. You know, if anything, for those guys, it's, well, hey, you know, I might be able to get a raise out of it. <laughs> you know, um, players understand. Players are professionals because there are other guys in that locker room who are going to look down the road and say, hey, you know, uh, I want to go to Real Madrid one day. <laughs> You know, um, you know, or I want to go to Barcelona, and they're going to look back and say, "Well, you know, hey, Eden handled this right, and he got his boot." Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if I handle things right, you know, maybe I can get my want to go to PSG, Barcelona, whatever. Um, as far as Hazard in general, I mean, he's his attitude's been great, his on the field's been great. Um, you know, I think I think as fans, more than anything, as fans. It bothers us because we just – we all want to believe that every player on our team, you know, for me, grew up dying to play for Liverpool mm-hmm. or dying to play for Tottenham or dying to play for Chelsea or dying to play for Man United. And the thing is, there are those guys. You know, their names were Steven Gerrard, Jamie Carragher, <laughs> you know, um, uh, Gary Neville, <laughs> David mm-hmm. – you know, those were the guys who did. They dreamed about it. And there are still players like that. There are players who will run for a brick wall and, you know, it's about the club. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not everyone is like that. And as fans, we want them to be like that. We want them to care as much as we care. And the truth is, it's just, you know, they don't because it's a business. Sure. You know, it's their livelihood. You know, and if we sit back and really look at it, you know, for somebody like Hazard, who has had a fantastic career at Chelsea, you know, I mean, he's he's been the man at Chelsea for a while now. Um, there is a hierarchy in world football. And the two Spanish clubs, as much as we may hate to admit it, they are, they are the biggest fish in the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, and next down, you've kind of got the United's Chelsea's PSG's of the world, you know, the Liverpool cities of the world. Um, and there are just guys who at some point they, they may want to make that move to Spain. I mean, you know, Bo Salah's name was up last year. Mane's name was up last year. If they pop up in another year or two, I will be devastated. But if they go, they go. It's just how it is. I mean, we saw Coutinho leave. You know, Spurs saw Bale leave. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Ronaldo left United. Uh, Courtois just this summer left Chelsea. Guys leave to go to bigger clubs or go to different situations. It's just what happens. Um, <clears throat> Hazard is just maybe to a fault a little too honest about some things. Yeah. You know, where maybe he could co- toe the company line. All I'm thinking about is Chelsea right now. All I'm thinking about is Chelsea. My representatives are, you know, talking to Chelsea every day about a new contract. Hazard's just taking the stance of, hey, you know, yeah, I'd love to go to Madrid. Hey, y'all want to call me? Call me. And that's just where we stand right now. Right. Uh, as long as it, to me, as long as it's not affecting his play on the field, I wouldn't worry about it too much. What's going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that any hand-wringing from Chelsea fans or the media is going to do to change that issue. If he wants to go and Real want him, damn good chance he's going to go. Yeah. 
And, and it's really, really hard to fault him for something like that. Uh, At the end of the day, if you're Chelsea, hey, do what Liverpool did. Do what clubs are figuring out you need to do. Get what you can cash and reinvest. In. Cash, cash in, and yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, shit. At the end of the day, losing them on a free, what good does that do? Yeah, and and who knows how Chelsea's oil money is going to go? If it might not be Russian for much longer, right. who knows? You're so right. cool. yeah, so we'll see. Um, sticking with uh with soccer, um, and the Premier League, um. Big news uh, coming out this week uh, between the Premier League and Electronic Arts. Uh, Wes, you just mentioned uh, you were you had you purchased FIFA 19, uh, and, and you have it. Well, Wes, you can now be part of the EA Sports FIFA 19 Global Series, and that is having a a, a league with the Premier League teams. Uh, they are going there's going to be a competitive league every. Premier League is going to have a player, or I believe two players, um, represented in a tournament with featuring all 20 clubs. Not mm-hmm. players from the club, but mm-hmm. players playing as those teams. Uh, and the, the, they're going to be broadcasted um, out there. And uh, it's going to be on one per platform, PS4 and Xbox One. And mm-hmm. uh, they'll go to the final and they will have a chance to earn points to go towards uh, the global... Uh, event that they're going to have and you know this this is you know kind of an interesting partnership we we know how big fifa is all over the world i i would argue at this point fifa is probably one of the is probably one of if not the most popular video games in the world um just just because of its appeal of being soccer and 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 being a yearly annual release um so, so to have something like this with with the Premier League getting full into esports now, you know, we we've seen more and more soccer clubs starting to make uh, investments into esports. Uh, we've we've seen in the uh, the European LCS for League of Legends this past uh, year, uh, Schalke Nulfir out of the Bundesliga, as well as uh, uh, Paris Saint Germain from Lyon, both uh, sponsor teams. Uh, PSG's did not do very well. Schalke's actually did quite well. Um, so that was interesting. German efficiency. Yeah, got, got very, very German. Um, hey, they play in Berlin, so it makes sense. Um, but uh, just we're seeing these esports, and I think that, Wes, this is a a fantastic way to keep kids coming back. And, you know, it's right now it's Fortnite. I'm sure sooner or later it's going to be something else. I, I know, I know. It's, <laughs> it is what it is, but I, I really believe at a certain point, uh, esports are going to be a dominant way for for clubs to to really attract younger people. Uh, I say younger people, I'm so fucking old. Um, yeah, to, youngsters. To, yeah, the kids. Uh, but to bring them in and and to have ways to interact with the club, like oh. You know, I, I love playing as, as Liverpool. I love, I love being Salah when I play FIFA 19. Maybe, oh, maybe I should start pulling for Liverpool in real life. You know, or I love, I love being Tottenham. Harry Kane's so great in that game, even though his strength should be higher. You know, he's, it's amazing. I should, I should start pulling for Spurs or, you know, something like that. So I think having these kind of partnerships are, is really oh. cool uh, because it does look like, Esports, and, I, and this will be my last point. I did see on Twitter that there is becoming a genuine debate of 
uh, at, at some, somebody was having of what would you rather invest in right now for the long term? If you if you were a big money investor and you had tons of money, which would you rather invest in? A major league baseball franchise or an esports franchise? Well, definitely esports. I mean, esports would definitely have the, you know, it, it would be a whole lot less to get in. Yeah, the club. Yeah, we're know? talking. And, I mean, probably yeah. twenty. Well, let me let me scratch that. You might be looking at. I'm trying to think of what Cloud Nine would be. I think Cloud Nine would probably be valued around fifty to sixty million all told. Mm-hmm. Um, but that which is little, not little, little different than the Yankees. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, still a huge, huge difference. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, it's it's a drop in the bucket on that. But I mean, like you said, just you know, and and also the accessibility. You know, you look at mm-hmm. you know professional baseball. There's thirty thirty two teams. Mm-hmm. You know, football, thirty two teams. You know, there there's only you know that that's the thing. It's kind of like a it's a boys club because there are only so many baseball or football teams you can buy. You know, they talk about status symbol, I guess, is owning an NFL team. Mm-hmm. Only 32 guys can own them. Yeah. And they don't come up for sale every week. Yeah. And when they do, you pay. I mean, those are billion-dollar franchises now. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and I, I'm guessing now, obviously, you're the eSports, you're the eSports man on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, uh, there's there isn't really a cap on – these teams that well, you can get. I, I I mean, I'm put, sure there are the big dogs, obviously. I'll, I will put it this way again. As, as a Cloud9 fan, I, I would say if you buy an organization, uh-huh. um, then the only cap you have is how much how much resources do you have and how many different games do you want to be in? For example, for Cloud9, mm-hmm. they have a team in League of Legends. They have a team mm-hmm. in Counter-Strike. They have a team mm-hmm. in Rainbow Six. They have a team in... Uh, Clash Royale, I believe. They have a team in... I believe they have a Fortnite team. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I think they have a Fortnite team. Who wouldn't have a Fortnite team? That's true. Yeah. Um, but so, and, and the price, I remember when, when the North American League for League of Legends franchised, the buy-in for new teams, I believe, was $10 million. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you wanted a spot when they started franchising as a new organization, which was like Optic and uh, the one mm-hmm. by the Cleveland... Cavaliers organization, the Houston Rockets organization, mm-hmm. they bought in, uh, Golden State bought in, um, that, that was $10 million. So right now, mm-hmm. if you, if you wanted to start a new team, it mm-hmm. might be kind of difficult, uh, until, mm-hmm. until expansion happens. Cause right now, like for league of legends, the North American LCS only has 10 teams. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a fairly select group. Now I, I think eventually at some point we'll see that expand. But you um, would assume, you yeah, would totally assume it would. So that that and that's the and then that's another ten million. But if so, then if you start thinking of every, if you have six or seven teams under your whole umbrella playing under your name, yeah, you're you're starting to look at fifty, sixty million dollars. And then it's just the the only thing is where where can you put a team in into what game? And um, you know, you know, Rocket League. Hey, Rocket League is is a is a big game now for esports. That's you you can get a team in there. Um, so that's that the it's it's a weird difference. Whereas mm-hmm. if you buy if you buy something like the Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. that's you're you're buying this one team. Whereas if you were mm-hmm. Cloud Nine, if you're Optic Gaming, if you're Team Liquid, you have teams in many different sports slash games. Mm-hmm that are all competing in these different areas. 
So, mm-hmm. and then it's just about can you get a team in a certain game or not? And that's right. that's where the inclusivity comes in, I guess. Or exclusivity, right. I should say. Right. Well, and, and you know, too, the thing is, you know, like and right now, this is really getting around. So there are opportunities to get in, you know, obviously with the future of expansion. There are opportunities to get on the franchises. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you grew up a, a, Philly, a you know a Pennsylvania kid, mm-hmm. and buddy, you made uh, you made three billion dollars. Guess what? You ain't owning the Steelers because the Rooney's ain't selling it. <laughs> yeah, you know you 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 know you're you're a New York uh, mogul tycoon, and all you've ever wanted to do is own the Giants. Too bad the Maras ain't selling you the Giants. <laughs> you know so. You know, esports right now. I mean, this is definitely the place to get in on a ground floor. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, this is this is almost something where fortunes could be made. Mm-hmm. You know, not just maintained. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I would I would say um, to anybody who's who's more curious about just sort of esports in general from a a non esport. Well, I shouldn't say non esports fan, but from a a guy you might not expect to be a straight up esports guy. Uh, go find, uh, I think this is about a month ago, Rick Fox did an interview on the Rich Eisen show. Um, did you just say Rick Fox? I did say Rick Fox. Don't Do you, you want to know an interesting fact about Rick Fox? <laughs> I don't. I know all the interesting <laughs> facts about Rick Fox. I know every single fucking one of them. Thank you very much. Just, just so you know, real quick side note, me and Clinton did a football Southern Nash this past weekend, and uh, that actually came up. I was like, yeah, this was the site of that conversation. Oh, God. Did you say that on air? No, I, God, oh, no, I didn't say it on air. No, okay. I think I said it during halftime. Okay. Yes. No, yes. it did not come up on air, but I was like, so now that I've heard Rick Fox twice in the last week, yeah. it must be something to it. There you go. I think it's time for me to get controversial again. <laughs> uh, well, not this controversial. Um, but yeah, so so Rick Fox owns his own esports team. Uh, mm-hmm. They are called Echo Fox. Uh, and so if you want to go here, and he does have a team in League of Legends, which is why I know this. Um, if you want to go hear about what it's like to be in the esports quote unquote business from a guy who is a, a former basketball player, it's a very insightful interview. And I, I, I want to give a lot of props to Rich Eisen of not treating it like a total joke, like I'm sure someone like a Mike Francesca would have. Um, yeah, yeah. Not that anybody should listen to Mike Francesca. You shouldn't. He's terrible. He's terrible. But. But I, so I give a lot of credit to Rich Eisen for treating it like fairly, like a fairly serious interview. So again, if you want to hear more about the esports from a a non esports nerd head, I guess if we're going to be derogatory, um, go listen to Rick Fox talk to Rich Eisen about it. It's a great like fifteen minute interview, fantastic. I'll tell you that's something that I, I might you know on your recommendation I might go download because that does sound interesting because you know as as we know in this relationship. Uh, you're the nerd head, and I'm the it's true. big jock, as we all know. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the big dumb jock, and you're the nerd head. So, yes. you know, hearing it from another of my fellow big yes. dumb jocks, you know, because me and Rick Fox, obviously, close to being together. You're basically to the same person, except for our showering habits. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, you know that that is something that I, I would and I will probably download and uh, give it a listen to sometime in the next week. Yeah, go check it out. It's a it's a good. There's a, there's a like a, a middle section where they go about six seven minutes where they talk about Kobe going to L.A. or not Kobe, uh, LeBron. Which I, oh, don't worry, I can which get which I had I forgotten about. I had literally forgotten about until that uh, that interview. I was like, oh yeah, that did happen, didn't it? The NBA in general, that's yeah. yeah, fine. Not, a, not uh, our thing, America. Not our thing. 
Well, maybe maybe as we move on to our final story news and notes, maybe uh, the next thing for America will be a North American MLS. Oh, Jesus. Um, because according to Reuters, and again, this just came out a couple hours ago, this coming from SBISoccer.com, Joe Hoznaki. Um, I'm sure I pronounced that right. Um, he's pulling from Reuters, Liga MX, the Mexican league and MLS have discussed the possibility of combining their leagues following the world cup in North America in 2026, uh, that the United States, Mexico, and Canada will host, uh, Liga MX president Enrique Bonilla, not Bobby, uh, said it's a possibility, a North American league. We have to determine how and see the pros and cons, but I think that's a way to grow up and compete again. Uh, according to this article, Liga MX is the most watched soccer league in the United States, um, mm-hmm. even more than MLS and uh, things yes, like the well. Premier League and the Bundesliga. Uh, and Mexican matches often generate more raw attendance than MLS matches. Um, yeah. Wes, we've we've talked about first of all, uh, MLS I believe is already up to like twenty six teams now at this point, mm-hmm. which is like mm-hmm. if we're talking about expansion. That's yeah. thing is expanding and not. It's expanding but not growing, if that makes any sense, I feel. Uh, they're not growing at the rate they certainly hope to be growing at. They're not growing at the rate they're expanding, I would say. Right. right. Um, and, and so to add, I don't – who knows how this would work if it did. I, I wonder – I just wonder how this moves the needle for people who wouldn't otherwise care. Like and and maybe maybe MLS and Liga MX don't don't care about that contingent and that's not why they would do something like this. But I feel like if you're MLS, the next step is okay. People who watch soccer and enjoy soccer mm-hmm. are are already going to watch these matches. Who who like this product? Mm-hmm. How are you roping in people either a who are are snobs like we are and just love the Premier League? Or, or or European football in general, I should say, or B, and I think the bigger and more important get is people who might not have any soccer affiliation at all, who might just want to turn in and be like, "Hey, that soccer thing's cool. Oh, cool. There's like this whole Mexico, U.S., Canada league. I'll I'll tune into that. I guess. Like, I I don't get it. Well, <clears throat> if you do this, you you would automatically. Viewership just based on you would bring in that that Mexican crowd. Sure. And, and the whole thing is, I mean, look, I'll tell you, you know, I used to work with some Mexican guys, and we would talk soccer. That was one of the things that we bonded over was soccer. Mm-hmm. And they could have given two shits in hell about the MLS. I'm sure. But if you start talking uh, Toluca or um, uh, you know Club America, you start talking those teams. And those guys were fired up and they were ready. Mm-hmm. Um, you would you would definitely increase your viewership because you would be bringing a very large audience in. And in the short term, that would be a massive gain because you would be bringing in that large audience. I, I would have to feel that, you know, for MLS, I, I just believe MLS, there, there are the hardcores, which are big. Mm-hmm. I just I feel MLS is going to be more of a slow growing league when it comes to support. I think that the younger generation 
as that generation continues to grow, I think with that, you're going to start seeing more of an MLS build because like kids my age or my age, kids that are my kid's age. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't grow up with the MLS. That's true. I didn't. You know, know. I, I mean, you and I are quote late converts to the game of soccer. I mean, I've been watching for about fifteen years, but I was in my twenties yeah. watching it. I didn't grow up with a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you ask me, you know, soccer. <laughs> That's the pansy sport. They wear shorts. <laughs> yeah, I play football. I hit people. I swing a bat. <laughs> you know, um, but this younger generation, especially that my kids are coming up in. You know, they're being introduced to soccer not just as the sport to play anymore, mm-hmm. but as a sport to as a spectator sport. Right. Um, I mean, you know, my daughter, my daughter's favorite T-shirt right now in her rotation is a Liverpool T-shirt. Now that said, my daughter does not watch MLS mainly because I don't want <laughs> haven't tried to get her to. But you know, her generation they're the ones that are going to be growing MLS. And the generation that my son, my son is about to turn 14 this month. They're the kids who are, who are watching more of the MLS because they're being brought up with soccer as a spectator sport. You know, you, you get, when, when a sport kind of makes an appearance in America, like it has say MLS, what, 20 years now, right? Uh, just about, yeah. You, you get that initial group who, huh, we were the hardcore soccer fans. And then you get that next group that were, hey, we're the ones we have picked it up. We've gotten on it early. And I've got a team right here in Portland. This is my team. And I love the Portland Timbers. And I love the Seattle Sounders. And I love Atlanta FC. You know, that's the newest group is like the Atlanta FC group. That, mm-hmm. Oh, yes, we've got a team. I've got a team. You get that initial burst, but then it's going to come from the growth of really the younger generations coming up. And MLS has to realize that's where their biggest growth overall is going to come, and they've just got to hang on and keep making it, um, you, know, you know, keep making it an attractive product for that group coming up. Mm-hmm. But if they could bring in that Mexican group, that would give them, bam, that instant attraction. That would give them that instant boost. And also then you start taking those young generations and turning them – into MLS fans because that's where their team is now. I think it's a good idea. I do think it has a chance to suddenly become huge and unwieldy. Yeah. Which is the biggest problem because, I mean, how are you suddenly going to tell Liga MX teams, well, yeah, you're expanding into this league, but, you know, you're not the team's part. Mm -hmm. Where that team might have 30 years of tradition over Columbus Crew. Or, excuse me, Austin FC or whatever the fuck they're going to be. <laughs> you know, or Real Miami, I guess that's what they call it. Uh, no, Inter-Miami. Inter, Inter-Miami, that's it. Inter-Miami. Yes. You know, so that that would be, to me, the really difficult part is how do you determine how you're going to do it? But, I mean, anything to bring in a bigger fan base, I think, would be a positive. Well, and the article mentioned this, too, is, but, you know, there's there's the, what is it called, the Copa Champions League or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Champions League. And, and they have that, and they have some other things. And Mexican teams pretty much dominate American teams. 
and and so I wonder like if if that does dynamic doesn't change and it's just Mexico repeatedly beating the United States and presumably Canada because I can't imagine they have based on their World Cup track record they're not going to have that many great teams. Um, I I just wonder like where 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 does the value like if if the leagues seem to be more on par on par with each other it might be better but I I don't know that that's the case. Well, I almost wonder if opening up the door even mm-hmm. things out almost okay because you know then suddenly you'd have Mexican players who it's like well hey you know I can play in the league and I can go play in Los Angeles or I can play in you know Houston or I can play in Atlanta. And then also you would have maybe more American players. Then since, once again, you're in the same league, you know, moving to, say, Club America or moving to, uh, you know, Toluca, something like that. Um, And if it would just eventually pair each other out, Mm -hmm. because it would be more of a level playing field at that point. Now, to me, it would level it out much more for the MLS teams than the Mexican teams. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, obviously with, you know, player movement and things like that, you know, I could see especially a very committed MLS team, the committed organizations. I mean, I could see them making leaps because suddenly that puts them into a new market to be able to go and get players. And and, and I'm sure that's that's what they would be counting on uh, if, if this move does get made here. But again, this is a long ways off. We're talking about yeah. the end of 2026. Well, and what scares me is, I mean, what do you want a fucking 40 team? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's my biggest issue with it as well. How do you decide who's in this league? Yeah, that's a, that, that could be very unwieldy very fast. So, but, um, yeah. it's a, it's an interesting thought. I mean, I would I would love to see more and hear more of what comes next. So. Well, we'll we'll I'm sure we'll be hearing about this in the coming years because just like the uh, the European Super League, I'm sure this will not go away anytime soon. Um, but, uh, Wes, that, that's it for the news and notes. Let's hit the watch for what are you watching in the week that was, or the week that will be fall TV's back, baby. Oh, it is uh seal team's back. I saw the first episode of that from last week. I've got a lot on the DVR books. So it's been a busy week. I'm hoping to catch up on some stuff this week as I will have a week off. So, you know, I need time off work so I can catch up on my telly. Um, the horror story. I love you. I just, I love you guys so much. <laughs> Um, last on last week's episode, we got um, we got backstory about Michael Langdon. We got uh, and we found out where the witches were coming back from. Um, you know, we, well, we've seen what happened and how Madison came back now. And my God, she just has some fantastic lines <laughs> in the small part part she had in that in that episode last week. Just I love you, Madison. Um, but we found out, you know, where the uh, battle between the witches and Michael Langdon came in. And, I, you know, uh, the other one recorded tonight as we were doing our pod. I'm very excited to get to it in the next few days. Oh, Fall TV, you're back. Oh, yeah, Zach lads. Um, yeah, plus I'm reading I'm reading Tom Clancy books now, so I've been mm-hmm. back, so. Yeah, I'm reading. Yeah. So I'm watching TV in my brain. Perfect. Uh, who, who, needs, who needs to watch Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime Video when you can read it? Exactly. I've already watched it, and that's what made me start reading it. So, woohoo, you did your job. And a quick shout-out to this crazy place I found called The Library. What? Where I don't have to pay for books. I can just borrow them. Weird. 
Why didn't they come up with this uh, concept sooner? I don't know. It would have helped so much in school, I'm sure. Jeez Louise. Uh, but yeah, those are my watches this week. I know not not as much. I'm still, you know, I've, I've taken a week or two off of Justified. I've got to get back on Justified. I'm in season two. Love you, Boyd Crowder. Oh, it's so good. Um, well, uh, my my shows are back. Superstore is back on NBC, um, completing the double whammy of The Good Place and Superstore. Superstore is back for season four. Um, still just as weird and crazy as ever. Um, if you want to, if you want to see the funniest as well as most cringe inducing in a good way, uh, workplace me too conversation, um, on network television, this, this is the episode for you guys. Um, it's, it's one of those where like you, you hear them ask questions or make comments and you're just. You're you're laughing, but you're also like clenching up because you're like, oh, <laughs> oh no, don't, this don't. This is so uncomfortable. Why are you saying these things? But I can't stop laughing. So, uh, Superstore is is a really great show to go again to go along with the Good Place and eventually Brooklyn Nine Nine on uh, Nine Nine on NBC. Thank you. So uh, excited for that that triple threat of comedy coming out from uh, NBC. NBC. We're more than Saturday Night Live because Saturday Night Live doesn't matter anymore. Um, speaking of doesn't matter anymore, Wes, let's get so raw. Oh. I did it. I did it. I'm oh, sorry. Man. I didn't mean to. It just happened. Oh, all right. Unless it's a short so raw this week. I'm sorry, guys. It just it hasn't happened. <laughs> I haven't been able to do much. Uh, but I do want to highlight one cool thing. Uh, because WWE knows I love my nostalgia. Oh, yeah. And I think I mentioned a few weeks back that Shawn Michaels had come back. And uh, now over the last few weeks, of course, building up to that match between Triple H and The Undertaker, uh, Shawn Michaels got involved in that. There's talk of Michaels coming back for a WrestleMania match. Mm. Well, now, Ed, coming up at the next Super Show on November the 2nd, it has been confirmed that we will have a Degeneration X reunion. Oh. Triple H and Shawn Michaels will take on the Brothers of Destruction, Kane and The Undertaker. Because it's so much better when it's 2003. Suck it. They did drop that in. Gotcha chops. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to watch the segment yet, but they did, uh, for the time being, reform DX the other night. Um, as everyone should know, I'm a huge DX mark. Have been since 1997 when they debuted. <laughs> if there's anything that, that wrestling has isn't wrestling taught us, it's that. Oh, just remember, wrestling, um, everything that will once again be popular. <laughs> so, uh, yes. 1997 DX debut. We haven't seen them. Uh, well, they haven't had like a match in 10 years. But hey, no better time than now to bring them. What better time than here? What better place? Better than time than now. Oh, God. I think we did that backwards. It's anyway. okay. It's okay. Yeah. No we one understands Zach Delaroca anyway. It's fine. We love you, we love you Della. Um, but anyway, that is my very short so wrong. DX is back, baby. Crotch mm. chop. Just don't strain anything. Crotching, uh, chopping at your crotches. Hunter H. Helmsley is back. Hunter, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and the Heartbreak Kid, Sean Michaels. So many ages. Um, no, Sean, if Sean would just wear his insanely long earring and his leather biker, his leather rhinestone biker hat back to the ring. I mean, you might as well, right? At this point, who we're cares? good. Oh my goodness! I, I really want to see Triple H go back to the blood thing. 
Wait, the blood thing? No, no. He, he his original the original was a Greenwich, Connecticut blue blood. Oh, oh, yo, oh, the blue who, blood thing. Yes, who yes. Wore, who wore yes. riding pants and carried a riding crop to the uh, ring with him? That's so weird. Yes, and uh, and wore a uh, basically dressed as if he was going on a fox hunt or to play uh, to play polo on a Sunday afternoon. I. At the at the club, it was. I mean, he wore riding boots, and it was magnificent. That's so. That's so weird. Had his long blonde hair pulled into a glorious ponytail. Ah, uh, he was rocking the man bun before it was cool. Well, it wasn't even bun in. It was just this, just this lovely uh, air of snobbery. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my Shawn god! Michaels was the boy toy. That'll that'll do it for this episode. Well, the only problem with 1997 WWE. Is that now? Me too would just be all over it. I'm sure it would be. Couldn't do it. Could not say the things that Michaels had said in the late nineties. Uh, maybe. No, Pay per view rating on. Maybe it's for the best. As we move forward, uh, we are heading to the end of this podcast. Uh, once again, the Foreign Affair Podcast is brought to you by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. You can find them on Twitter. Uh, you can find also you can also find us on Twitter, words. Uh, as a collective, we are at AFA Pod. Uh, Wes, you are? I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. Hell yeah, he is. I am at Edward Green. Uh, we are on what? Facebook Instagram, what? We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, damn it. The all new sports show. You can also email us at that address, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. You want to talk nostalgia? No, no, we're not doing that again. No. So, too much nostalgia already tonight. Oh, jeez. Oh, Rick Fox. Uh, so if you want to thank our podcast providers, because I know we do, um, and they include Podbean.com, Stitcher Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, the Google Play Music Store, and iTunes Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, so again, we will be back next week. Um, I don't know what we'll talk about. Something. Probably. Oh, jeez. God, of course next week when I'm off, we have yeah. Open time area. Of course, we're a fucking international. Player. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe somebody will stab somebody. We'll we'll see. We'll be able to cover that. We can, we can talk about what Jurgen Klopp calls. Brilliant. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That that's going on the docket. Um, but until then, uh, for my call on crime, West Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Uh, until next week, when it it yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I forgot. Uh, before I sign us off, Wes, is there anything else you'd like to add? When our Australian song starts spreading the news. Oh, yes. Oh. Ha ha! New York oh. is going to be watching baseball with the rest of us because the Sox beat your ass in four. Oh, man. That was, uh, that was not a comfortable ninth inning, though. Jesus Christ, you do not want to know about my night experience. It was it was not pleasant. No, I, um, you, it just I just felt it. Like I was like this every time they showed one of those stupid New York fans in the crowd, I was like, this this they're, they're gonna win this game. It just it felt like one of those Yankee games. Now that said, I felt confident because we had Chris Sale going in game five. That's true, yeah. I, I had no I had no doubt we were winning the series. I just didn't want to have to go to extra innings and do yeah. it or yeah. Have to sit through another damn game. Dominant setup man Chris Sale will be coming out as a starter in game five. Well, now our actual dominant setup man will be.
he ever – yeah. here's the thing with David Price. We're going to pay him to go and win 18 games a year regular season, and then as soon as the playoffs get here, you're going to the bullpen. Yeah. yeah that is me. your future, David Price. It's, it was so funny. I, when, it, when it got to be 4 nothing, I almost texted you. I was like, man, if, if they get it to like 7 8 nothing, I kind of want him to just come in and really for like the last out. Just, 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 just to, just to have him out there. Just for confidence boost. Yeah, exactly. Just to prove you can get through a fucking inning. Yeah, just, just not even an inning, just one out. Just, just get us one out, David. That's all we need. Uh, uh, but yeah, so the Sox are going on. The uh, the uh, LCSs are set. Yes, I don't think anybody went to five games. No, um, Boston Fair. and Houston, which is should be an absolute barn burner of a series. Yeah, cool. And then who who would have bet more? No. Seriously, uh, you, you know, and I'm not going to lie. Really keep up with the National League. Mm-hmm. Keep up with the Red Sox and all that goes with the Red Sox. Um, until the playoffs are like, oh, wow, the Brewers made the playoffs. Yeah. Well, the Cubs will knock them out easily. And the Cubs are bad to just beat the Cubs. So, yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, yeah, I, I was very impressed with what I saw from Milwaukee. Uh, I, I started really following them when they uh, – when they had that playing game against Chicago, or not playing game, but the uh, the, the division playoff game, um, yeah. for to see who won the central, and I was like, "Wow, this this team shouldn't be this good, but somehow they are." Not yeah. quite now sure happening. I think the Dodgers are going to be big favorites, but hell, you know, nowadays who the hell knows? look? It's baseball. Who the hell knows what's going to? Well, and and you know, and you know, there's there's certain talking heads out there that are just dying for Clayton Kershaw to come up short in another playoff series. so Oh, yeah. Well, so. well you know, I mean, if, if we get the kind of long thought of Boston-LA World Series, I mean, it's going to be a battle over, you know, which overpaid left-hander can shit the bed more in the playoffs, Price <laughs> or Kershaw. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw something the other day, by the way, that um, Clayton Kershaw in his contract – for the life of his contract, he basically makes like $3,000 a minute. Wow. Or maybe it's $3,000 an hour. I can't remember. But either way, it's just, it's insanity. It's not bad. I actually think it's $3,000 a minute. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy numbers. but uh, It's not bad if you can get that kind of work. Yeah. You know, it's not bad for, um, you know, 50 games a year. No. Nah, not at all. He didn't even pitch that many this year. Yeah, it's not bad to work forty days a year. So. No, not at all. It's not. It's not no. too bad. Not, not too bad. Oh, for that Good life. Um, well, Good for now, for my calling crime, West Bradshaw, I can say it now. Uh, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Foreign Affair Podcast. We'll be back next week. Until then, especially you guys in the path of this latest hurricane, stay safe. Please, please, please stay safe, and yeah. do enjoy some football. I think Brazil plays a friendly at some point, so just watch that. And good night, New York. In the words of Degeneration X, suck it. Yeah. Amazing that a, a offense that was so vaunted all year, we, we were we were scared that they were going to score about 5,000 runs over the course of the season. And until that ninth inning in the two games at Yankee Stadium, they'd scored two runs. They got John Carlo. Yeah. That was... That, that was... <laughs> Again, aside from that incredibly stressful ninth inning, that was as comfortable as a a trip to the Bronx in the postseason as I can remember in the nearly 20 years I've been a Red Sox fan.
I mean, that's 16 to 1. It was just like, what the hell is happening in front of our eyes? Yeah. Well, especially the way, like, game two went, you were like, oh, God. Oh, God. This this, this is where it all yeah. turns bad. This is, this is, and then well, they just shut the door. And, and I'll tell you the truth, man. Game two, I wasn't that worried after game two, just for the simple fact that it's just David Price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop.